You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So the Apostle Paul had spent his entire life fighting, hating those he saw as his enemies, which was the early church. I mean, he saw them as traitors to his religion. And then he met Jesus and everything changed. And that's had a ripple effect literally through history. See, Paul was filled for the first time with actual love, the love of Jesus. And then Paul began sharing Jesus with people that he came into contact with. And then he began making new disciples. That's what the Great Commission is, Matthew 28. We're all called to make new disciples. And then we have a record, the track record the church does, 20 straight centuries, the very same thing. So what do we do? We are filled. We meet Jesus. We're filled with his love. It's supernatural love. It's not our love. And then we tell people around us, anybody around us, about who Jesus is. And then we make disciples, as we're all called to do, making disciples. But honestly, I don't use the word disciple in any other context. That's a weird word. What is a disciple? Yeah, we're, so this is, the more, this is why we exist. We exist to make disciples. What in the world does that mean? Like, how do you do that? How do you make a disciple? And if you're making disciples... Are there any indicators, any markers that we can see that let us know we're having some degree of success since we are about, Matthew 28, making disciples? So this is a really important question for all of us at every stage of life. If you're a student, uh, here's the question for you. When you get out of the house, what does it look like for you to follow Jesus on your own someday? Like for you to be a disciple and a disciple maker. If you're single, you meet some guy, you meet some gal. You're wondering, is this just a churchgoer or is this a passionate follower of Jesus? Are they making disciples? How would you know? What do you look for? By the way, this is important if you're not a Christian. Man, if you're not a Christian, we are glad you're here. This is a safe place to come, explore faith. But today's topic is going to show you why you never want to date a Christian. Seriously, you're going to be miserable. I mean, like we are about disciple making. We are going to frustrate you your entire life. If you're not a believer, we're glad you're here. But don't date a Christian. You'll be frustrated. If you're a parent, if you're a parent, what's it look like for your kids to walk with Jesus themselves someday, to be a disciple? What should you look for? If you're in the corporate sector, how can you impact your organization spiritually, spiritual impact upon your organization? It's by making disciples. If you lead a grace group, when you gather together, why do you gather together? Like, what is the goal for this group? What is the actual end game for this group? How in the world do you make disciples? Like, that's our topic today. And so if you want to open your Bible apps, your Bibles, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, you can do so. Our ushers have Bibles that if you're new to grace, you can raise your hand and borrow or keep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I do also want to encourage you right now, would you tear off your Connect card in our various locations and complete this one per household? We spend a lot of effort and energy in actually making sure no one falls through the cracks. You save the church money. Every week, when you fill out your household connect card, let us know your prayer request. We want to pray for you as well. We want to pray for you. If you want to know what you do next, sign up for the next Next Step class that's coming up. And you place this, we'll collect this a little later on uh, in our service. All right. 
I do want to welcome those of you guys who are joining us online. I'm not sure where you're at, but man, we're glad to have you here with us. Those with our Olathe campus, we're excited about our brand new Olathe campus at Prairie Creek Elementary. And those that are Overland Park campus, whether you're in the auditorium or the venue, if you decide to attend worship at Grace at, at our 9.30, 11 times at the Overland Park campus, man, we encourage you to go try out the venue. We are now relaunching the venue at 9.30 and 11 after... Uh, launching out our Olathe campus team. So we need you to start something new as we relaunch our venue. Try it out next week. I want to reset what we did last week. Four quick photos resetting our topic. Last week we talked about Paul's second missionary journey. Here's a picture. Paul and Silas traveled 2,700 miles over three years. And they were planting churches. Why were they planting churches? Because new churches are better at making new disciples. And all of us, whether you're in an existing church or an existing campus, like our Overland Park campus, we're about making disciples. Whether you're our new campus, we're about making disciples. It's about disciple making. Next picture is Paul, Silas, and Timothy's path from Philippi to Thessalonica. That's a picture of Greece. They're actually in northern Greece, an area used to be called Macedonia. They walk 100 miles to Thessalonica to plant a church there. And that's Acts 17. Acts 17. It's what we saw last weekend. And you can pick that up online. If you missed it, pick it up online. All right, here's our third picture of Paul's S-shaped path through Greece. He went from northern Greece to southern Greece, an area we, uh, they called that day Achaia was southern Greece. He's in a city called Corinth. And they're still worried, though. They're still worried about this new church plant they had to flee at Thessalonica. What's going on with them? So this fourth photo is a picture of what 1 Thessalonians, this letter, is all about. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This church planting team of three guys writes a letter to the church of Thessalonica. It's been just 20 years. Just 20 years since Jesus rose from the dead. And so that means that there were people alive in that day who actually had seen Jesus who were spreading the news. That's how Christianity spread. People saw the resurrected Christ, kept telling people. I mean, how in the world did they remember things from 20 years ago? Like, that's us writing today in 2017, all the way back about events that transpired in 1997. How can you remember back that far? That's why how important this particular historical letter is. It's a record of the early church when witnesses of Jesus were still alive and sharing their stories. And so last week we ended with this, this, these words, the very greeting, the very opening of this letter. It's 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do, we're going to cover the rest today, the rest of 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to actually go through kind of three, three iterations of this. I'm going to give you a key phrase, a key phrase to look for. Let that pop off the page. Then we're going to read three verses. And we're going to talk through those three verses. And then we're going to step back, talk about this larger principle that within 20 years of the resurrection of Christ... They were actually demonstrating what discipleship is about, but it's just as relevant for us today. Yeah, what is? If we're about disciple-making, that's a weird word. What is a disciple of Jesus? And how do you actually make a disciple? How do you make a disciple? 
And how do we know how we're doing being a disciple? We're going to cover all those topics today. Our topic, becoming followers of the Lord, becoming disciples and discipling others. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll ask God to you know, open our eyes and speak to us. Lord, we do thank you for this chance to come together and worship you. We come in different stages. Some of us are hurting. Our hearts are hurting for a variety of reasons. God, would you just encourage those who are hurting? Some of us are seeking, exploring. Uh, We are not believers, not followers of Jesus, but potentially entertaining the claims of Christ and the power, the implications of the resurrection. And some of us are are engaged in disciple-making and want to get better at that. Would you speak to all of us at every stage? When you say we're about disciples, what does that mean? How do you do that? God, we pray this, open our eyes in Jesus' name, amen. Here's our first phrase to look for. Our first phrase is the phrase, you're taking notes, our prayers. You can write down your notes, our prayers. I do think people underestimate the power of our prayers. Have you ever thought this before? Well, I should pray for that, but what does it matter? And I pray for it, I don't pray for it, will it even matter? We underestimate the power of our prayers. I know I even do. So I keep my prayer list on my phone, and uh, my most fruitful seasons are when I'm praying consistently. I've seen amazing answered prayers, like shocking, miraculous answered prayers. So why is it that I also let busyness and craziness and deadlines torpedo what I know is my most influential time in my life? Our, where does discipleship start? It starts with our prayers. You see that, by the way, here in verse 2. What are the first words from Paul and Silas and Timothy when they're worried about this church? They actually write an encouraging note about what they're praying for. Look, it says in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. There's our phrase, our prayers. You can circle or highlight, mark that down. They're writing a note. Man, isn't that encouraging to get that? We give thanks. They're worried for him. We give thanks to God for you, for all of you, always. By the way, this, he's about to share the three prayer requests he's praying for. But I just want to pause and say, I've started doing this in my prayer times for people. There's power not only in praying for people and thanking God for them. There's power in actually writing them. I start texting people over the last year. Hey, I'm praying for this you. Hey, I'm thanking God for you right now for this. I started writing my, my thanks to God, writing my prayers after I pray them to people. It's incredibly powerful to receive a, a text from somebody where they're saying, I'm praying for this for you. Or I'm, I'm actually thanking God for this for you. God's working you. So what are they praying for? If I'm making a list of things to pray for, I mean, I had to flee. Jason got hauled before the authorities with the house church. I'm praying for things like safety. Oh, God, protect them. Moving the political leadership right there in the city of Thessalonica. None of that. None of the things I'd put on the list. They're praying for spiritual goals. What are the goals they're praying for? Verse 3. Remembering without ceasing. Here's the first prayer request. Number one, your work of faith. That's one. They're also thanking God and praying for labor of love. That's two. And patience of hope. That's three. 
in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Now, were they praying for safety? Absolutely. Were they praying for favor from the, from the city? Absolutely. What were they emphasizing in their prayer? Spiritual goals. What were they praying for? Paul says they're praying for faith. Oh, dear. Hey, I'm just praying for your faith that you would believe God. What were they praying for? Love. I'm praying that you sense Christ's love for each other. Christ's love in you. What were they praying for? Hope. I'm praying that you have your hope, your trust, and confidence that God has control of the future. That's what they're praying for. Faith, love, hope. Spiritual goals. Christ in them type of goals. And what were they were thanking God for? They're thanking God for the evidence they're seeing. Because they're praying for the spiritual goals internally, they're seeing things on the outside. What are they seeing? We're thanking God for your labor. That's work. We're thanking God uh, for your work. That's work. We're thanking God for your patience. That's waiting. You know what we see? He says, we're just thanking God how you are working and working and waiting. Because we're praying for these spiritual girls, we're, seeing, we're, seeing, we're thanking God for what we're seeing, the results in your life. What do you pray for? It's easy, if you're like me, to pray for all the physical, temporal things. Hey, I pray for this physical situation, this medical ailment, this bill, this situation. It's all very important, temporary things. Very important and temporary. Instead of things like faith and love and hope in Christ. Verse 3, here's what they said. Verse 3, or verse 4, I take it verse 4. Knowing, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. That's the end of this way. We know, because we saw these things, we know Christ is in you. We know you've been elected, chosen by God into his family. We know it. By the way, that leads to this principle, if you're taking notes. Every discipleship gain comes by someone praying. Every discipleship gain comes by someone praying for you. How do I know that? It's what Jesus does all the time. There's never been a heart change in your life, progress in your life that Jesus hasn't prayed for. That's why you have it. Jesus prays. So Jesus sits at the right hand of God. What's he do in heaven? He's not flipping through the channels. He's praying, right? So he's sitting there looking at the Father. Hey, would you do this? Would you give them faith? Yeah, I heard that. Give them, give them love. Give them my hope He's praying for you. If you ever had a gain in your life, Jesus prayed for you. Which is why when you pray for those things, Jesus is like, yes, I want to pray for that. That is awesome. Would you do, you pray in Jesus' name? Yeah, put my name on it. He's praying. Every gain you've had in your life is because somebody prayed for you. Jesus is praying for you. And what's crazy is we get that busy, it's like you're like me, busyness comes in. You know the power of prayer. You start to underestimate it. Martin Luther. Martin Luther was asked one time, what are you going to do today? He said this, man, I have so much to do today, so much to do. I'm going to have to spend three hours in prayer to get everything done. I got so much to do, three hours in prayer. That's the real work. So God then does the work. And my most fruitful seasons are when I know it, when I pray most consistently, which makes me kind of crazy that I get out of that mode of actually praying, not praying when I know. That's my most fruitful. James 4.2 says this, James 4.2, the half-brother of Jesus said, you do not have because you do not ask. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says the reason you don't have that thing you're frustrated about is you haven't asked sometimes. Sometimes because you haven't asked. And what's funny about this, 
I, I remember being a younger Christian and discipling somebody, you know, passing on the Bible to them. I was frustrated with him because he wasn't making the gains. And like, why does he do this? He's got to do this better. And then the Holy Spirit said, he doesn't need to do it better. You need to get better. Why, why aren't you praying for that thing? The very spiritual goal you have, you're not asking me, Tim, you do not have this because you underestimate our prayers. I don't hear any prayers. You do not have because you do not ask. Where does discipleship start? Discipleship starts when you raise the value of our prayers. That's where discipleship starts. Our prayers. What happens next in discipleship? That's the next phrase. Followers of us. Followers of us. After prayers, people become followers of us. And people, by the way, learn, they learn best by imitation. In fact, the Greek word in the Bible that's translated follower is the word imitator. It's the same word. We learn by imitation. There's a lady, I don't know if you saw the news, she built an entire house uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas herself. And so she built this house, by the way, not just any house. She's a single mom with four kids, no house. So she built a house, five bedrooms, built herself, three car garage, built herself, 3,500 square feet, built herself, two story tree house on the outside, built herself. How'd she build it? We learned by imitation. She watched YouTube videos and got advice from Home Depot employees. We learn best by imitation. The Greek word is imitate. She was YouTubing people. And you know what the Thessalonians would do? They were YouTubing Paul and Silas and Timothy's relationship with Jesus and just imitating it. That's how we disciple. Look in verse 5. There are five things they YouTubed in terms of Paul, Silas, and Timothy's walk with Christ. Here's what your disciples need from you. They need to see or hear these things from you. Verse 5, five things. For our gospel... Did not come to you in word only. Okay, so they do need the word as a part of that process. It's the first thing people YouTube, how you interact with the Bible. But also in power. They need to sense the power. And it's the power, not yours, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, the third thing. And in much assurance. We would say quiet confidence. As you know, what kind of men, the fifth thing, the, their lifestyle, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So they had YouTubed Paul and Silas and Timothy's relation with Jesus and just imitated it. They were followers of us. Verse 6, here's our phrase. And you became followers of us. There you can circle, highlight. That's the second stage of discipleship. Our prayers, followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction. Like they had really hard times in the city of Thessalonica. You get dragged out of your house church and drugged before the authorities. That's hard times. But you do realize that your hard times of your life is when you learn the promises of God the best. You learn the word of God the best because you're holding on to it like a life preserver or an oxygen mask. It's when you learn the best in much affliction. And the wild thing is you cling to him, you can have joy of the Holy Spirit. In the things that are not changing, in the things that God sees you, the things that you, of your worth. Verse 7, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia, that's northern Greece where the church was, and Achaia, that's southern Greece where the church planters were, who believe. 
That leads to this principle of discipleship. Our followers of us, what's that mean? Disciples learn by following others who follow Jesus. You can put that down in your notes. Disciples learn. How do we disciples learn? By following others who follow Jesus. It's how God designed us. We learn by imitation. I saw an example this week in my household. We learn by imitation. So I'm not sure if you know this, but my wife owns a cat that lives in my house and eats my food. And this week, the cat barfed and is really gross, and she does it on a regular basis. And so my daughter just recently got this bank this pig bank, a Peppa Pig bank. And it's full of coins. And so so Kathy's over there. We learn best by imitation. And so she's over there with a Kleenex, and she's picking up the vomit. And I bring my daughter over. I'm going to have a father-daughter talk. And I got the Peppa Pig bank. I said, two things. Honey, number one, never own a cat. I actually told her that. My wife rolls her eyes. Ah, oh, be quiet. And then I took, here's, I said, here's why, honey, three-year-old, why you don't want to ever own a cat. And I had Peppa Pig barf out all the coins onto the ground. Now, we learn best by imitation. How do you know that? So Malin looks, look at the coin, the coin barf, looks at mom cleaning this stuff up. And she goes over and gets a Kleenex herself. And she, come, and she picks up the coin vomit, picks up each coin with the Kleenex. She's imitating. We learn by following, imitating. Here's the deal. We learn best by imitation. Paul even said that, by the way. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. How do you disciple somebody? You get somebody around you, and they YouTube you. They imitate you. They, they actually do what you do and practice that. How did I learn to pray? I learned to pray by hanging around people who prayed. How did I learn the Bible? I hung around people. I heard how they studied the Bible, viewed the Bible. That's how I learned. How did I learn to apologize? I hung around somebody who apologized really well. How did I learn to value my wife? I heard somebody valuing his wife, adoring his wife. What he talked about behind her back was awesome. Like, this is how you do that? How did I learn to walk with Jesus? I YouTube people throughout my life. How do you learn? You imitate them. You follow them. And disciples learn by following somebody else, imitating them who follows Jesus. That's how disciples are made. It's not rocket science. It's having somebody just watch you and imitate you. That's it. That's it. It starts with, how do you make disciples? We're about disciple making in every venue. It starts with our prayers. And then people become followers of us. And then a third stage must happen to close the loop on it. The third phrase is this, from you. The third phrase, from you, if you're taking notes. You don't really know that somebody has learned something until it comes from you to a third generation. In fact, an argument can be made, you don't even know the concepts you've been taught until you're forced to teach it, until you're forced to actually share it from you. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy are pointing out there are two things that come from you to make you an actual disciple. You see these two things in verse 8? What needs to come from your disciple? From you. He says, for, from you. Verse 8. There's the phrase, circle, highlight, note that. From you, the first of two things, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia, that's in the northern area of Greece where they were at, the church is at, and Achaia, the southern area of Greece where the church planters were at, 
But also, in every place. What's the first thing that must come from you? The word of the Lord. At some point, you saying, hey, I don't really know the whole Bible. Nobody really does. But there's this verse that I've needed. And let me pass this one on to you. This verse has helped me so much. The word of the Lord coming from you. And then, what's the second thing we need? He says in verse verse 8, your faith toward God. That's the second thing that must come from you. Hey, I believe this. This is how I interact with this. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves, the third generation, declare concerning us, the first generation, the church planters, what manner of entry we had to you, the second generation, the church plant, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He says, that third generation of people that you've been discipling has reported back to us. And they were stunned how you turned away from idolatry. What is idolatry? It's anything in the first priority of your life. Tim, how do I know if I'm an idolater? Well, have you ever said this? My career is my first priority. Welcome to idolatry. You're an idolater. Your idol, your life is your career. No, no, my kids. My kids are my first priority. You're an idolater. My, my spouse, that's my first priority. My dream, my first priority. Fit, uh, financial health in the future, retirement, that's my first priority. Really? Idol, idol, idol. And what, what happened to Thessalonians is this. They lovingly, compassionately booted the first priority out of that slot, demoted it to its appropriate spot. It's a priority, not first. And they stopped being idolaters. By promoting Jesus back to the first spot. Hey, Jesus, you're more important than anything. You are my first priority. And the third generation was reporting back. They actually stopped idolizing things besides Jesus. Wow, that's amazing. Verse 10. And they were waiting to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. This is like 20 years ago. How can they remember back that far? Just 20 years ago, like 1997 who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. They were looking for him to return, ready for the return 20 years after this moment. Here's the principle if you're taking notes. A person isn't discipled until they disciple. A person isn't discipled until they disciple. Until you have grandchildren spiritually, so to speak. You're not discipled until the word of the Lord comes out from you. You're not discipled until your faith toward God comes out from you. It's what Paul said to Timothy. So they broke up the band, this church planting band of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now Timothy is pastoring at Ephesus. Paul writes him and says it's about four generations spiritually. Second Timothy 2 2. And the things Paul writes that you, that's Timothy, the second generation, have heard from me. Well, that's Paul, he's the first generation. Among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. That's the third generation. Who will be able to teach others also. That's the fourth generation. Throughout the Bible, there's the principle of having spiritual great-grandchildren. That is the goal. Four generations. And God's talking to single people. Paul was single. Jesus was single. Having spiritually four generations of people. Your disciples that they disciple, that they disciple. And with my, I actually reflected this week, I've done a better job of casting the vision of this with my kids than my couple's grace group. 
So my kids have heard this speech a lot of times. So we were discussing a decision. We're discussing a problem. We're discussing life. And I'll, I'll step back a lot of times and say, now, this is not about this decision or problem or moment. This is just the topic. This discussion is about the future. That's what the discussion is about. It's about you learning to follow your real dad. I'm not your real dad. I'm your temporary dad. Long term, we're brother and sister. We're brother and brother. That's our long-term relationship. I'm your temporary dad. God gave you to me. And so here's the thing. My goal, help you walk with Jesus when I'm not around. Help you disciple people when I'm not around. That's my goal. And so I've done a better job, I think, with my kids than my couple's grace group. And I need to get better at that. I need to get better. Uh, they, they probably will hear a speech like this in the very near future. Like, we, we are, why are we getting together? We're not getting together for now. Now is awesome. Now is cool. Now is wonderful. Now is going deeper. Now, we're not, we're here for the future when we have other disciples. That's, that's the goal. We're, we're gathering. So when I'm not there, you're discipling. That's the win. That's the goal. A disciple isn't actually discipled until they actually disciple. How do you make a disciple? We're all about disciples. How do you make a disciple? Well, it starts with, it starts with our prayers. That's where it starts. And the types of things we're praying for people. And even encouraging people, hey, I'm, I'm praying that you would believe God, his word, this promise more than ever. I'm believing that you sense the love of Jesus in you. And love is undeserved. Like they don't deserve this. Yeah, that's the kind of love I hope you sense in you. I'm praying for hope. Yeah, hope where you are confident that God has the future under control. Your hope is in Christ. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank God. I'm seeing work and work and waiting in your life. I just thank, I'm sitting here thanking God for you. It starts with our prayers. People become followers of us. They imitate us. Just like Malin with Kathy. Just like the church with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. You need to YouTube somebody. They need to YouTube you and just follow you, imitate you. So that one of these days, what comes from you? The word of the Lord comes from you. Hey, there's this verse. I'm not sure. I just want to share it. I don't know the Bible, but I do know this verse. I got one verse. One verse is better than zero verses. That's a verse I love. And by the way, I've seen God come through. I got a lot of faith toward God about this. That's how you make disciples. It's not rocket science. Our prayers, followers of us, from you. That's what life's about. Let's pray. God, help us. We come to you. We beg you. You've, you've cast this vision for us that we are about disciple making, uh, which is honestly still Jesus. That's a weird word. And um, I just pray that you would help us to get better at disciple making. We, know, we do know that new churches, new campuses make disciples better, but we pray for our existing campus. God, help us to get better at disciple making in every context. Help our new campus get better and keep the main thing, the main thing about disciple making. I pray if somebody, Lord, is online or at one of our locations, and they have never received you. God, please help them. Help them to commit their life to you, Jesus, to give their heart to you. To surrender in prayer right now, to pray something like this. Help them to pray, dear Jesus, 
I place my faith in the resurrection. In the amazing evidences that regardless of whether you believe the Bible is inspired, just a pure historical document and history. Yeah, you can get there that the best, uh, best conclusion from the evidence is that Jesus died and he rose and I place my faith in that and I surrender my life to you. Help them to pray that right now. And help all of us to get better at making disciples. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com. Thank you.